Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Hi, Jim. <laughs> Hi, David. Let's just be clear. I keep screwing up the beginning, and Jim keeps laughing, and I'm doing and, it on purpose at this point. And, <laughs> I've got birds on my PRS, but I got a different bird on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So for those of you who don't know, we actually do a countdown with our hand signals, uh, and I tend to count all the way down, and then when I get to one, I flip it around to give Jim the finger. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we got some housekeeping. You gave, me, you gave me the finger at two. <laughs> yes, this time I, I made sure I gave it preemptively. Um, we got some housekeeping, but before we do that, uh, because I've been looking at the numbers this week, and I've been following them because I just got back from GearFest, I want to I wanna welcome any new listeners. We have a lot of them. I want to yes. welcome our old listeners to the show because um, I don't think we reach out to them and talk to them directly enough. Thank you all for uh, participating in the show, participating in the Facebook group, uh, for you know listening to us. We would be here if... You weren't here, but it makes it that much more worthwhile, and we're really appreciative to have you guys following along. Um, that's yeah. you know from the Definitely. bottom of my real heart, as black as it may be. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you guys. So anyway, at, with that being said, if you are not a regular listener, why not? Subscribe to The Practical Guitarist using your chosen podcast app. Take the time to put in a review with the service where you found our podcast, like iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Get involved. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practicalguitarist. And if you'd like to reach out to us directly, you can do so at questions at practicalguitarist.com. With that being said, we have some great stuff coming for you in the next few episodes. A lot of material coming out of GearFest. Um, look forward to that. It's, it's on the way. So anyway, so Jim, you got a question from our listener. Yes. So, um, we had a listener ask us, um, basically to explain the difference between the classes of amplifiers, like class A, class B, and so on and so forth. So, um, one thing I want to preface this with is there are amplifiers that they say is class a or class a b or class c or class d but here's the thing it's highly unlikely that any amplifier is truly a given class and you'll understand why once we go over the differences in classes and what the what the definitions are right so let me because i'm more of a layman than you probably are jim but but let me let me start and i'll just explain to you what how i see the differences so class a is more of your vintage style amp. It is with a usually with a single output tube. If you're going to be completely class A, my understanding is it has to be a single output tube. Um, and that what that gives you is basically um, a cathode biased amp, which means it's not necessarily an adjustable bias. Um, and it it you generally has no negative feedback. And because of that, right. and, and and that's the thing. So AB is the opposite, right? It's usually not cathode biased, and it does have negative feedback typically. Sometimes that feedback is a little bit adjustable. They put a they put something on there that allows you to adjust it, either a tone control or whatever. Um, My my understanding is that presence controls a lot of times are adjusting the the feedback. Um, But what the difference is basically in class A amps, 
you get a more rich upper harmonic spectrum, maybe not as tight bass and l- lower frequencies. Um, and that has to do with the, really the negative feedback more than anything. The cathode bias can be good or bad on your tubes. Um, a lot of times cathode bias means that the power tubes run really hot um, because mm-hmm. they assume that all power tubes are the same. And so they bias it under the assumption that the tubes are going to be in an acceptable range. So if you swap tubes in and out, then you can you can obviously get into some problems there. Um, that's kind of why I've I've gone the Mesa Boogie route is because they have very, very stringent specifications on the tubes that they brand, which is why a lot of people say that Mesas won't run anything but their tubes. It's actually not true, but but since they're since most of their amps are fixed bias, they are designed to run with their tubes, which run in a certain spec range. So that's basically it. And then of course there's class D, which is becoming super popular. You'll see that terminology um more frequently now and class d is basically solid state amplification that's pretty linear and flat that they use to amplify things at high levels um class d is getting used a lot in like pedal board amps things like that so you can have a very small enclosure that doesn't put off a ton of heat that uh can amplify your signal 100 150 watts and you know the size of a pedal so jim you have the floor <laughs> oh no you you did it well um so uh, the big thing about uh, A's, if you give an example of an A, that would be like a Vox. Right, right. Pretty well, much Vox amps are your class Vo- A amps. Vox are more class A, and I, I'm using that with air yes. quotes. And see, that's where you don't get into the true. Because, yeah, right, Voxes have multiple power tubes, and so right. depending on how they're biased and how they work. So really, the the... Theoretical differences between class A and class AB are that in class AB tubes, no two tubes are really doing the same thing. In class AB, one tube amplifies the negative part of the frequency, and then one tube amplifies the positive part of the frequency. Now, of course, you can obviously have, you know, dual, so you can have amps with four power tubes, right? And they're doing basically the same thing. They're just dividing up two tubes to do the work on one and two tubes to do the work on the other. But it's essentially the same idea. Whereas an A-class amp, you're amplifying the whole waveform with one tube or two tubes. Um, but that, that, so what people associate with a class isn't necessarily because it's a class a amp. It's because that's the kind, it doesn't have the cathode bias and then they are no, class. A would have cathode bias and right. wouldn't have any negative feedback. Right. So, <clears throat> so um, then like you said, class D is where we're getting into those solid state amplifiers that, uh, uh, do high power um, in relatively small footprint. Yeah, and with low heat. Yep, very low heat. Uh, uh, you're talking about a pedal board um, amplifier such as the Blue. Correct? Yeah, the 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 Blue, um, the amp one from from uh, Blue Guitars or Blue Guitars. Yeah. Yeah, Blue Guitars. I yeah, I always call it the Blue Amp, but it's actually Amp One, isn't it? That's uh, allegedly what Thomas Blue told me at uh, Gearfest. So yeah. Um, and I think that's right. Well, there's that, and of course there's the. Uh, trying to think what the other ones. There's that the Seymour Duncan makes the power something, the power stage or something like that, which is similar. And then right. um, another company that escapes me. There's another company that makes exclusively solid state amps, and they use Class D power in a lot of their stuff, especially their their pedal board amps. And in they, Class C, if you were to look at a Class C amplifier, why would nobody use a Class C? No, I I don't know, Jim. I've never seen one. Yeah. 
Um, I think it's because it's supposed to be theoretically the most efficient, power efficient amplifier. Okay. But um, it's that there's a. Um, I don't. I think it's because of life shelf, or I mean, not uh, life of the amplifier. Okay. Because um, even though it's it's theoretically um, uh, better, I think it's either that or the power or the sound sucks. I mean, I, I remember that nobody was using it. Yeah, it maybe that's super efficient because the sound is terrible coming out of it or something. Yeah, because it's not suitable that sounds for audio right. applications. I, I, I did look this up at one point, but that was years ago, and I think, and you're, creates, I think you're correct on that. And it creates an RF interference. Okay. That um, I remember that now. So you use them, um, your, R, your Class E amplifiers, it's your radio amplifiers. Okay. Okay. So an RF oscillator, you know, your um, RF amplifier, you know, your FM transmitter. So like a super heterodyne receiver. Sure. Like that would be that a makes class sense. Um, now, in terms of player control, I mean, I find class A amps are more touch sensitive. Um, yep. And they tend to have a little bit more upper high end characteristics. So like anything from the upper mids up is usually a little bit more enhanced. Yep. Um, and... Uh, I think now you got to correct me if I'm wrong. I think a true class A, you turn it on, it's ready to go. Yeah, uh, that that sounds accurate. It doesn't yeah. have a lot of warm up time because of the yeah because of the way that it's biased. It doesn't need to warm up. Okay, that well that would make sense. I've never is, really connected it that way, but you're you're right. Yeah, which is part of why it has a lower lifespan. Mm-hmm. That would make sense. Yeah. Um. I mean, the electronics guys would have to – now, you know, I, I worked a lot with, with tubes. I'm old enough to, you know, have used tubes in a lot of different things, from televisions mm-hmm. to radios to, you know. There were still people that were amazed, wow, we have a solid-state, you know, um, you have a solid-state stereo? Yeah, That's amazing. Yeah. And, and it was like a big deal. You're right, um, right. You know, so uh, – but um, uh, tubes were – even back then, tubes were a little expensive. Um, uh, but you could go to your local um, electronic store and buy them. And almost everything you bought, <clears throat> um, and old amplifiers were like this. Those of you who um, have played with old amps know this. You pull the back off the amplifier or your old television or whatever, or your old stereo, and there was a there was a diagram yeah, tube chart. right there, a circuit diagram right there. I think they're still putting those in there. Yeah. yeah, told you what tubes were in there and everything. I mean, they, you still can figure out what tubes are in there, and you can still. But biasing is a big pain in the ass. I understand that that um, like we were talking about with uh, Mesa, Mesa, you don't have to bias the amp as long as you're using uh, their tubes. Their tubes. Yeah, yeah, and actually biasing a Mesa amp would involve changing a feedback resistor. I think yeah. power resistor. Yeah. Um, which. Okay, fine. You know, you have to take it to a tech anyway to get it biased, unless you're skilled enough. So I, I don't really see that as being a big problem. I mean, a resistor's what, like two bucks, and your bench fee is going to be forty bucks regardless. So, yep. Um, who cares? Yep. As far as as far as um, I can't tell you how many times I used a penny as a fuse. So I don't even want to go. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's not talk about that. Let's not <laughs> let's not encourage our listeners to kill themselves. Yeah, that was not. Yeah, you know, I would we'll, ever we'll, recommend to anyone at any time, ever. Well, well, let's let's step back. So, Class A tends to be a more vintage design, right? Like it, yeah. it occurred in the fifties. It was really popular until the mid sixties when people were trying to get more power out of their tubes. Um, it's funny because there are all these esoteric things that have happened in the past of guitar amplification, like the death cap. 
Before you know, we had to add death caps to everything because, well, if you didn't have that, you were gonna die. Because <laughs> it, it used to be that your amplifiers didn't have a ground, so mm-hmm. it was a two prong plug. And if you touch something that did have a ground while you were using your amplifier, there's a very good chance you were going to get a healthy dose of electricity. I can tell you right now, there were days when we would play outside and I could feel that little tingling in my fingers. Many a person can describe getting shocked by a microphone. I've been shocked by a microphone. I can't tell you how many times. I can't tell you. Who was it? Somebody was talking about, I want to say it was like, um, it was like Edgar Winter, not Edgar Winter, uh, Johnny Winter. Or somebody like yeah. that was talking about how he stood up and it was raining at this venue and mm-hmm. he was standing in front of his microphone and he was just singing into the microphone and just getting shocked over and over and over and did that for the whole gig because yeah, there's nothing time, he could do about it. Every time I went to do a vocal in this um, uh, very humid day, um, I went up to the mic, you know, and I got like this close, you know, and just as I got close enough, little I could see the spark hitting me. Yeah, that's was, what Johnny Winter nighttime. said. Yeah, he was like, it was lighting up, you know. And I, I felt it. I felt every single shock. Now it was like it was like shock therapy, negative shock therapy. You will not sing. Right, Get back right. Away from there, you suck. Get away from that microphone. So, question: uh, yeah. What if you wore rubber boots? Uh, no, it wouldn't do any good. <laughs> I was playing guitar. What was in my hand? Well, yeah, I, I know, but I mean, it keeps you from going ground, you know, from going to ground through the, the uh, you know, closest path. I mean, I guess. Oh yeah, um, it was insane. I can tell you that that. Um, so I actually I was wearing rubble, rubber rubber sold sneakers. I always oh, I right. always have to wear. Okay. And it was probably why it was just a light shock, but it was right. still a shock. So I know um, there are still some guitar players that up until recently were well, one in particular who was up until recently swearing by. Uh, no ground lug on his gear, yeah. and that was Eric Johnson. And he was, um, he's he was, you know, you've seen his pedal boards and rig rundowns, I'm sure, where he's got this giant fuck pedal board, and everything's at like weird angles. And he's like, well, no, it has to be that way because of whatever reason. But but he doesn't explain. Yeah. It's because of the RF interference, and that was because he chose to use amps that did not have ground plugs installed. And he's changed now. Yeah. He's actually using ground plugs. So my guess really? is he got a healthy shock somewhere. And he was uh, like, all right, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I'll tell you, I saw a guy get shot playing guitar um, at, a, at an outdoor venue. Um, and uh, you would think that, that it wouldn't happen, but it went right through. Because I think with the guitar, the way that uh, – I, I know that you've got high um, – uh, High impedance, yeah, across the cabling and so on and so forth, but it's, wow, it just pat the ground. Plowed. Yep, it's all awesome. it knocked right down. So knocked right down. It is. It is a sad fact that we as musicians are not necessarily that protected from our gear. I We're mean, very uh, smart for that matter. Right. <laughs> I, I, well, let's face it. We all know somebody who's had to remove a ground lug, and they do it, and you're like, "Why are you doing that? That's not safe." Um, yeah, one of the things that you know, if you're going to bias your tubes, if you have a if you have a Fender or Marshall or Vox, you know, or what given any given um, amp like that, where you have to bias tubes, that's the nice thing about um, uh, the uh, Mesas is you turn them off, you take tubes out, you put new tubes in, you turn them on. Yeah, don't ever work uh, on your amp with the amp plugged in. Yeah, that's the thing. Don't ever work it with it plugged in. And if um, uh, now there used to be a thing called a crowbar circuit. Um, which meant when you were opening the circuit, there was a um, a contact that was made as the device opened that actually grounded it. 
Yeah, um, now you have to actually discharge you, all the caps. You now you have to discharge your caps manually. And yep. because of that, that's why I wouldn't recommend. If you don't know what you're doing, don't open an amp. It's not worth your no. time. Yeah, your capacitors in there are holding a lot of voltage. I mean, I, I'll give you an idea. So my daughter works on, um, she works on what they call uh, super super capacitors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, she works for a company called Ioxys. And uh, <clears throat> there are capacitors out there that can hold a charge for weeks. Yep. And so you think, oh, well, I pl- unplugged it a month ago. It's fine. You go to grab it. You get that you get that thing discharging, and uh, some of these capacitors yeah. can hold, you know, uh, tens of thousands of volts. It's not worth um, they it. don't discharge that much, I, but they I, hold it, and they're ready to throw it at you, and mm-hmm. they're they're powerful and high current. It's not worth your life to modify no. your amp. It's just not. <laughs> now I can't say the amps are using these, but I know some printers are using them now because <clears throat> those are the ones she works on. They look like they look like those um, flat batteries you get in. Um, uh, laptops. Sure. You know talking about sure. The, the lithium, the lithium. Battery. Yeah, the CR twenty thirty twos and stuff like that. Yeah. And so you got you got to be careful um, about some of this stuff because where companies can save money, they are. Um, and if you don't know how to short a series of capacitors, I'll, I'll get. I'll tell you a true story. It's not a it's not an amp story, but it is a true story that didn't really happen to me. So we were working on one of the radars in. Um, Mark 86 gunfire control system. And this guy opened um, the transmitter. Now, the transmitter's got 19,000 volts in it. Um, and we had to open it, throw the car- crowbar circuit, and then you still had to go in. And we had a we had a um, diagram of everything that we had to take this um, shorting probe and short everything out with. Now, a shorting probe is something you can get, you know, for an amplifier, it'd be a lot smaller, but this was a huge thing, you know. And, right. um, and you were wearing a rubber glove. Well, this guy was shorting it out, and he saw a couple sparks on this one spot. He didn't think anything of it. He kept shorting. And then he thought he was done. He reached in there with his hand. Oh. Now, first of all, at no time were we ever supposed to reach inside that thing with our hand. Yeah. Even if we have done all that work, we were not supposed to reach inside that thing with our hands unless we disconnected these cables. He reached in, and pow, he got thrown across the room. And this is a trained person. This was a guy that, that worked on this stuff for 20 years, um, got tossed back by about 18,000 volts. Well, everybody who works on electronic equipment does get shocked at some point. It's going to happen. Oh, yeah. The, oh, the only, yeah. There, are, there are those that have, that have had it happen and those that will. <laughs> yeah, it's like a motorcycle. You have... You have you are gonna fall off, or you have fallen off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're just waiting for it. It's just um, yeah. It's just a matter of time. So but, uh, yeah, it's it's a safety thing. But going back to the classes, so the big thing is if you're gonna buy an amplifier, it's really not important. Honestly, it's not important. The class of the amplifier. Is no, just it's not, not. It really isn't. So and matter. that's what I was getting to. I was going to ask you what your favorite class is. Like, I don't oh, even eight. look at that. I honestly well, don't look at but it. Only because the the majority of of amps, with the exception, pretty much of Vox and Voxish. Which who's that guy that you saw? Joe Morgan. Yeah, Morgan. Yeah. Yeah, Morgan amps. I think are are a. A, a lot of them are. Yeah, you'll find a lot of your smaller He's boutique amps. Com- yes, a lot of your smaller boutique amps will be will be more like A class. I mean, I've seen so like Rivera makes um, the Venus line, which is A class, but they don't sound like anything like Vox. Um, no, but they have that crisp high end. Yeah, and that's basically what what Paul Rivera was going for when he designed them was that he wanted to get some of the the iconic characteristics of that amp, but then put it into their platform, which is typically more uh, like a JCM eight hundred and a Fender. Um, Matchless is another company that has pl- yeah. played around with both. 
Uh, I know um, Bad Cat is not yeah, bad not cat. Bad Cat guitars. Bad Cat amps uh, is known for using A class circuits almost exclusively. Um, yep. Now the thing is, AB. Like I look at this as the more modern circuit, and yep. AB is where you get into your plexis and your twin reverbs and your deluxe reverbs, right. all your blackface and, and later Fender amps, and yep. basically anything post plexi from Marshall. Even yep. the eighteen watt was a was a AB class. AB. Uh, yeah. I think everything Marshall's ever done has been AB, except for that that current one they're doing the uh, the uh, is it the Historia or the Historia or something like that. Yeah, the Origin. No, the Origin is is still AB. The uh, it's there's a there's another. Oh, oh amp- you're talking about one that's A. Yeah, they did one that's no that's A class. It's I think it's the Historic or something like that. Here's, um, here's the problem with an A. Look it up. Hang on. Here's the problem with an A while you're looking that up is if I was to buy an A, which I kind of a two class A amp, you're going to be replacing tubes a lot. Now, given that the A, um, uh, a tube is anywhere between, you know, you can get what JTs for like $18, $20 a piece. Um, And if you're replacing a set of tubes, You've got power tubes and because uh, I think power tubes are what twenty five thirty dollars a piece in the in the JT line or GT line or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, groove tubes. Yeah. Generally speaking, um, tubes are are fairly expensive, but I mean you're looking at like twenty bucks a piece for whatever tube you're going to replace nowadays. Yeah, and it, well, and, and you look at it, you're going to have two to um, two to four preamp tubes, and then you'll have um, your power tubes. So you're if you've got to replace them more often and you have to bias them, I would really learn how to work on an amp. I would I would take a class. Uh, they're not making the Class A that they had. They had it for a while. It was a handmade Class A uh, yeah. amp, and I forget what it's called. But it came in funky cabinet colors, and uh, it, was a, it was a short-run thing. Um, my point is that, that most of your major manufacturers don't really want to tinker with that too much because they know they're going to have tube failures. Um, I, that's my impression. I don't know if that's actually the case why they don't mess with it too much, but it is true. I mean, you're, you're running your circuit harder, so you're going to run your tubes harder. I look at, uh, classic example is, uh, Brian May, you know, those aren't really class A amps. The AC30 is very close. It's like I said, there's varying degrees of class A to class AB. Um, but he basically, he runs what? I think 12 of them a night. He runs six at once at a time because he gets through half a set with six and maybe two yeah. ca- maybe two catch yeah. fire. <laughs> and then he's using the other six to finish out the set and maybe two of those catch fire. So the tech yeah. is rebuilding him by the next show or he's got, you know, a couple more in reserve. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, he's replacing and, tubes all night long. And uh, Brad Paisley's commented on that, too. And the Dr. Z amps, a lot of them are class A. But uh, I think they're designed a little bit differently. They don't They don't push the tubes as hard. Because I I've heard that uh, you don't replace tubes as frequently in those, but like I I know for some some reason some circuits are really really hard on the tubes. Um, yeah, and, and that's to say you know like the cla- there's the classic thirty line from PD. I believe that's class. It's it's in the vein of class A because it uses four uh, EL eighty fours and it's supposed to be a class A amp, but everybody knows it's kind of you know kind of tongue in cheek like it's a class A amp it's more like an AC30 in the way that it's constructed and those kind of uh have a propensity for eating output tubes from what i understand but they don't blow up that's the only difference i know when i had mine i lost a couple of, a couple output tubes in it 
and I had it looked at and they said it was basically okay. So, um, it's just, you know, and, and again, tube consistency is a big part of that too. Uh, the tubes we have today are not as good as the tubes we had, you know, 30, 40 years ago. So the, I mean, when you put a a set of EL84s into an amp, EL84s are are already notorious for being unreliable and new production EL84s are not much better. And so even if your amp is running class AB and it's being nice to the tubes, like you're still going to drop a tube every once in a while. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's going to happen. And, and if you're um, unlucky enough to uh, play that gig in a thunderstorm and the place doesn't have great uh, ground, I'm telling you happens. Yeah, it just happens. I mean, you you go boom. I had it happen in a, in a um a little place I was playing in Albany, um, New York, and and uh, a thunderstorm struck. Bam! Took out our our power amp. Took out my guitar amp. Took out um uh the other uh, the bass player's amplifier. Um, you know, and that's you know, one thing. Like PA, I, obviously, I'm surprised amp. that. Somebody like Thomas Blug or somebody else that's more into, like maybe the guys over at Voodoo Labs or something, haven't come up with a better power protection device. Well, it was our fault for, I, I went to the, so we went to the gig. It was, they were calling for thunderstorms. Right. And usually we used Furman's. Mm-hmm. And you didn't bring them that day? Power conditioners. And we didn't have them that day. And I said to the guitar player, I said, I, don't, I think we should send somebody back. You only live 15 minutes away. Go get the power conditioners. Ah, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. So when everything blew up, I said, hey, you see my fender over there? It's not fine. You're paying for that. <laughs> well, you know, you know, the you were um, too lazy to go back to your effing house. <laughs> back to the ground lug thing for a minute. You know, there is a, I remember reading there's a, a way to add a fuse to your guitar circuit to actually prevent you from getting shocked through your guitar, which right. um, there are a lot of people that you know, if they're in danger, that might help them. Um, I'll give you one wireless. Well, that's one way to fix that problem. <laughs> yes. Um, actually, that's probably the fastest and most efficient way. But I know that I know that you can also install a, a fuse. There so if you're a diehard wired guy, you can get. Yeah, there, with are, it. there are diehard wired people. Look at um. Oh, what's his name that died re- relatively recently? He was. He used a 100 watt or 100 foot cable or 75 foot cable. And so, can you imagine the the um, he had some kind of thing that? Why don't you just use an EQ instead? <laughs> just saying, just saying. Um, Brian May uses what he still uses. He swears by a coily cable. Yep. He's, he's got. Yep. He, he uses, uses a fifty foot cable that's would, coiled up to twenty. You know. What a pain in the ass! Anybody else use a coil cable? Fuck that. So when I was a kid, that was it. That was the one you got. Right. Yeah. That was. Everybody was supposed to have a coil cable. So um, I don't know if you know. Um, so when you make a coil cable, that's not random coils, right? Those are measured. Yeah. Um, those coils are measured so that the frequencies that are supposed to be able to go through that cable will work the best. Brian Wampler could probably explain it better. I know it's like twisted pair right. in that um, the twists are there and the, and the coils are there to give you a certain. So as you pull that cable, though, they always pulled out. I yeah. don't, you could put a 200-pound weight on the other end of that friggin' thing, and that, your fucking guitar just fly off your neck when you got to a certain <laughs> point. Like, Pew! <laughs> that well, that's why you're supposed to out. wrap them around your, your yeah. strap and then so stick it in there. That's how we got the old way, right? We wrapped them yeah. around our straps. Right? But we didn't have strap locks. Oh, so God. We had to so put you just pulled the strap right off. 
So I had this big old like washer. You put it. Yeah, that's that's the the primitive the strap old, lock. Yeah, the old primitive strap lock. You put a big giant washer in there, right? Well, wait, 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 them. wait! You didn't do the Zach Wild with big like big like S hooks and no, no, I should have. <laughs> yeah, that motherfucker's serious. He, he puts a chain on there. He does he puts a chain on that shit? <laughs> which he could use the coil. So I had the coily in there, right? And I had the um, I had my big old washer in there, and that freaking coil got to attention, and you know you don't pay that. You're just running around, you're having fun. Yeah. On stage. That thing went, pew, it just came right out of the end of my guitar. And he's like, like that. looking around the stage, like, where the fuck did it go? And I'm holding down to this end of the guitar, and I'm, I'm playing, it goes, whoop! <laughs> Which is why it's I like, it's like a dumber version of guitar tossing and throwing your guitar back at oh, the drummer yeah, or was, something. It, it, was, it was ridiculous. I'm holding on to it like this. <laughs> oh, yeah, Jim, Jim's got his hands in the air, by the way, folks. <laughs> yeah. I've got my hands in the air, and I'm, I'm yeah, like, he's I'm about to fall over. He's leaning over like Michael Jackson, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, my hair's not on fire. And so, oh, I'm, my God. You know what? Hey, so Jim, my you son, need to have a Pepsi. Getting on, that, getting on that for just a second. So my son, we're getting these Pepsi cans, right? Yeah. Run my Mike Jackson's on them. Oh, and my God. Like, my son's like, oh, that's nice. They set his hair on fire, and then they put him on a Pepsi can. <laughs> that's almost as bad as me being like, have a Pepsi, Jim. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, yeah, it's just ridiculous. I, I you know, I, I like to go wireless most of the time. And again, I'm just a cover band guy. It doesn't matter. I'm not, my tone is not perfect. I, I, you know what I saw that was really cool, Jim? The boss wireless unit. I know, right? I saw that. Now, I, I looked it up after you, uh, they even, it to told, me. they even told me at the thing, they were like, well, People are concerned if they got a PRS and they got an LS Paul because the wireless hangs out, sticks out the end, and if they're yep. going to bang it on something, it's going to break. But they told me, they said, just put an extender cable on it. Just yep. put an extension stick in your pocket. Just put a cable on it and put it in pocket. That's what I do. Yeah. It was really cool because it turns on and off with a, with a motion sensor. and Yeah. So if you plug it in, it turns on. Yeah. It's oh, awesome. it that's pretty. I mean, it's it's pretty cool. And like they said, I mean, so we use these um, we use these X vibes or X X vibes or whatever it is. X, yeah, X vibe. X V I V I. In other words, you give money to uh, to uh, what a bendy. Yeah. So what <laughs> I do is I, I don't know what that is, but um, I put the 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 um, I put a little cable in there, and then I stick it in my pocket. The other guy has it sitting off his guitar, so it spins around on. <laughs> And he's been having issues with it. I said, just put it in your pocket. So and put a, you know, put a male female cable. Yeah. On. So Jim, Jim, you're. I mentioned Bendy a minute ago. I might be wrong on this, but I thought Darren Kalish. Are you familiar with yep. that guy? Okay. Oh he's yeah, the, yeah. He's the guy that yep. sells wangs, which are wongs. I guess they're called wongs. Um, okay. He, sell, he sells those amps, and I think he's also a dealer for X Five. He's not a dealer. Oh, he's like he really? a, I think he may be one of their spokespeople or something. I think. Oh, I, and got, I could be wrong. I got the, write to us in the write to us in the Facebook group if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, yeah, Darren, that that'd be fine. Um, I got the X5. Um, it was a deal of the day or something on either. It was either pick of the day on uh, pick of the litter or whatever they call it on on um, Guitar Center, or it was stupid deal of the day at Musicians Friend. I check those every single day. I check them religiously because sometimes those are freaking fantastic deals. Other days they're just I mean, I mean, you're hard pressed to beat the Boss Wireless system for 170 bucks. I, you know, so yeah, the X5 is um, it's like 100 what, bucks. 100, well, no, it's about 140. Yeah, 140, 150. So I got get, it for less than 100. So you get the Boss warranty. Yep. And you get um, 
and you get, you know, the boss reliability and quality. I don't think it's metal cased. I didn't really touch the casing too much. So that kind of comes sucks. with the air, right? It comes if you buy the air. Yeah, well, it's not separate. It's built into the air. So yeah, you would need – yeah. and it, you, but know, you still have to buy the transmitter, right? It's like line six. You still got to buy the little transmitter. Uh, the but air – no, I think the air comes with the transmitter. Oh, it does. Yeah. It's the full huh? built-in unit for their for their guitar system. The thing with the air is like it's the ultimate busking amp, but it's plastic, and it doesn't have any inputs on the back. It doesn't have like any inputs and outputs on the back of it. So there's no foot switch. There's no – um, there's no line out, there's no, oh, uh, see, yeah, no effects I mean, loop. Okay, you're talking about $400 busking amp. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You like, got I got to have a loop. Everyone I've talked to is like, no, I won't buy an air. Um, it, it should, first of all, if it's the ultimate, does it have a built in looper? No, that's not an ultimate busking amp. That's well, but that's what it, but right now <laughs> it is because there, there's not much else on the market. I mean, they're starting. That's starting to become a thing. Like more companies Dude. are looking at busking. Okay, so the equipment. Mustangs. I hate to. I hate to. Um, battery powered. You know, the Mustang. F- battery powered. No, that's not a busking amp. Then <laughs> GTs. Yeah, you're right. But they are Bluetooth, and they do have a. Um, they have a built-in looper. So. Right, you're right. right. They don't have a. They're they're not battery powered. Who has a battery? You know, I guess it would be hard pressed to get a looper in a battery battery powered. Are even looper pedals battery powered? Yeah, you can get so like the the Digitech Jam Man is battery That's powered. Battery yeah, the I know the Express is for sure, and I think the regular one is. I had to repair an a, a, a an Express at one point. Um, I think the regular one is too. I have one. I just don't know whether it's battery powered. I know I don't use batteries in my pedals really. So, um. I, I know there are battery powered loopers, let's put it that way. But most guy I mean it's like most of the guys I know busk, they're not really looping so much. It's usually vocals and, and like accompanying guitar, or they're playing with a group of musicians, in which yep. case looper's not really necessary. That's more of a coffee house thing in in my mind. In which case then looper? you can have then you can have a power, you know. Yeah, but if you're if you're busking I suppose you could you could build a jam track. But I know a lot of guys that busk that use um they, they they use a loop. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's a thing. It's just I'm I I don't identify it that way. Like, I mean, I remember the, the I days when. So I guess it was like 2000, 2001. A good looper had like ninety seconds built in. Oh was, yeah, 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 yeah. Really the, the, the boomerang phrase sampler, which was like yeah. like five minutes of looping or something. You know, it was like. Yep. That's insane, you know. It's like oh, no, that now, now we're like we're up to like an hour or two hours or something on that. But in a, yeah, yeah, in a compact can, pedal, you know. Yep. <laughs> it's incredible. The but but back then they were using and you had to buy an SD card. Yeah, yeah. It in there well, and, a lot of them still have SD card. Actually, I think there's an advantage to that if you want to move tracks back and forth. Yep. Um, that's kind of cool. So yeah. I I actually have one with a with a card. I always intended on using it for like busking and stuff like that, but I don't busk. And uh, frankly, like I'm now reaching out to local musicians to perform my music. So, um, well, if you look at it, most gear, most 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 of your buskers, um, most of your buskers are using uh, are, are the acoustic Edgian type thing. I mean, they're they're doing stuff that that really does want a loop pedal. Now, of course, you, I, I'm just saying for four hundred dollars, I just don't know. I mean. Yes, it, it it would have to be fucking incredible. 
is all I can say. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's all I can say. Um, getting back to our amp discussion and A class and A B. What uh, amp discussion? Is that what we were talking about? Yeah, I think we kind of need to move on from the A A A B thing, but let's yeah. talk about because we've talked we've touched on this subject before, but we can make it kind of more of a topic for the episode. So, like vintage. So there's like this whole movement right now people kind of getting back to basics um following the dr z thing and like some of these other um uh, how do i put this like less advanced amplifiers like more vintage style removing features from the tone stack and the and the yep. amp itself to get a more pure, quote unquote pure tone um versus you know modern flexibility uh incorporating a switching system having uh inputs in, or you know like effects loop and emulated outs and all that stuff it seems to be that there's like this big divide in the industry right now. There's the pros that need this, and then there's like the better players that want simplicity and perfect tone. You know. Yep. Um, where do you where do you sit, Jim? Because I I think I know what your answer to this is going to be, but I, I'm I, I'm a simple guy. I mean, I I think that I think that the reason that okay, let me talk about the things that amplifiers absolutely need. Okay, so you need an effects loop. There's there's no question about it. You absolutely need an effects loop. Um. You need, uh, you don't need a gain channel, I, and I'm going to explain why here in a second. Um, so you only need a good clean channel, or what one would call a good pedal platform. And the fact of the matter is that in today's society of guitar players in general, and and you know, guys, uh, chime in if you think this is wrong. There's very few of those ACDC Angus Young plug straight in the amp, go all night long kind of people. You don't need reverb in there. You don't need um, uh, anything because you're going to have a reverb pedal, you're going to have a delay pedal. The pedals you're going to have are a reverb. You're going to have a delay. You're going to have a um, uh, at least one, if not two, overdrives, and you may or may not have an, a distortion or a fuzz. And and really, I don't know. You got you're always telling me you got to try fuzz. You got to try fuzz. To me, a distortion pedal is a fuzz pedal, but. That's just because, to me, a distortion pedal feels like a fuzz pedal. It's a really vintage distortion pedal is what it is. There's, yeah. it, I talk about them being the separate things, but overdrive, yeah. distortion, and fuzz are really the same thing. They're dirt, and there's this wide yeah. spectrum. And I've right. had pedals that are kind of sitting between overdrive and fuzz or distortion and fuzz, and like it's just basically a wide gamut. I mean, I suppose you could probably break it down into circuit classifications of whether you're doing square wave clipping or something like that but really in general you can have a circuit that gets those kind of tones that really isn't necessarily a fuzz or isn't necessarily an overdrive and vice versa it's kind of more flexible than i make it out to be yep i just think that it um other okay so over the reason i say you want an overdrive and is because an overdrive definitely now uh, it depends on the overdrive pedal Obviously, most overdrive pedals are built to push the amplifier a little harder, push that gain stage a little harder, so that the dirt is actually on that end. Where a distortion pedal distorts your sound. Now, now everybody's going to say, but I have an overdrive pedal that distorts that crazy. I know, I know, it's just like when we talk about Class A amps, there's no true there's Class a, a amp. There's a range no of class, pedals. Right. It's a range in pedals. Some quote-unquote overdrive pedals are overdriving right they're actually um uh distorting 
Right. Um, and so they're not truly overdrive panels. But anyway, so that's why I say a distortion, fuzz, um, and overdrive. That's what you need, um, delay and reverb. And, and I can live without reverb, but I know a lot of people that can't. So I tend to go right to the modern stuff. I want gain channel. I want a clean yep. channel. And the yep. reason for that is I play a lot of high gain stuff, like super high gain stuff. And yep. for that to work for me, I have to get into an amp. Like I've so I've tried things like the Sir Riot. Um I had an Ibanez Smashbox starting out, which is more amp like than most distortion pedals in my opinion. Um and I've had like like high gain amps anyway. And I've had like, you know, I had a metal muff and I had all these different like circuits that were supposed to be high gain. And I'll be honest with you, like none of them came close to either my Rivera or my um, my Mark V, uh, which replaced it. But that being said, I kind of had a revelatory moment this week. And of course, I bought a Katana again. Uh, I love mm-hmm. the head. It's got a bunch of options. I'm gonna. I plan on using it for clean and dirty, just like that. Um, uh, but Katana's you know, a great amp. Great but, amp. But you know what? I found. Uh, yeah, I was playing some Hendrix with it tonight. I was really shocked by how well I was able to get some of the similar sounds uh, without using a fuzz pedal. Um, so anyway. I got I got the chance. Alan Chapel came over to our Airbnb while I was at uh, Gearfest, and uh-huh. he brought his Fender Vaporizer. And to be completely honest, I was like, "Oh, this is one of those pawn shop amps. I'm not inter- I'm not really that interested." Um, but boy, did that damn thing sound good! And it was. I mean, it's a, it's a two ten combo. It's twelve watts. Right, it, it it's loud twelve watts, but we all know that loudness is really determined by the speaker, uh, the speaker efficiency more than the wattage. Um, and what got me was he hit the vaporizer switch, and what it did was it removed all the controls from the from the amp, basically took them out of the circuit path, so it was like full on. And it, I mean, it sounded damn good. I don't know where they got the circuit design from, whether they like designed their own circuit or whether they kind of like emulated a Supra or a Dr. Z or something and they did mm-hmm. a PCB and maybe changed up a couple things. But the main thing is like they took that idea that I know some of the Dr. Z's have that switch where you can press the foot switch and it removes all the controls and it, the amp just rips. And actually, that was really impressive to me. But that being said, I still prefer, I've never been a guy that likes reverb and delay before a dirty amp. Yep. And so for me, like, I don't think I could do that unless it had an effects loop. Yep. You have to have effects loop for that. I don't care uh, what what necessarily the preamp is like, provided I have an effects loop. Um, I think the real reason I want the effects loop is because it allows me to patch in stuff. I It's not even just like I want to put effects in there. If I if I do want to run a preamp through the power amp or the amp, I can do that. Um, but... I think that most of the people that are designing these these vintage style amps are neglecting that that kind of thing. They're not as interested in effects loop um, because it it's not a selling point. And I really wish like they would offer that as either a mod. I'd pay an extra hundred and fifty bucks when I bought one to get it as a mod to say, hey, you know, I'll pay one hundred fifty bucks. Can you put an effects loop on this? As long as it's well thought out in the design process, like they yeah. already know kind of how the loop is going to work. Maybe it's too buffered or something like that to make it uh, work better. They, the perfect example, I right now, I would I would buy a deluxe reverb if it had an effects loop. Like, bar none, no questions asked. It's the only reason I'm even looking at a Supersonic 22 ever, because now, it's got an effects loop. Uh, all right, I'm going to say this. 
and I'm not an amp builder. So if there's any amp builders out there that can correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't there mods out there to be able to put an effects loop in? You I mean, can, you can, yes, uh, you can. But but the thing is, Jim, a lot of times there's compromises made in that process because the circuit wasn't designed for it. There's not a good tap on the board, and oh, maybe yeah. it's unreliable or it's not too buffered, or you know, it, it doesn't have to be too buffered, but it's helpful. Or it, yep. or it just doesn't sound good because it wasn't the amp wasn't designed with that in mind. Okay. Yeah, I was when you were mentioning that. I thought I know that I'd seen people who did do. Um, now I thought Fender. So Fender for the longest time didn't call their effects loop an effects loop. They didn't have a send and return name on their, yeah, their naming know. convention. I, I don't. They had something else. It was preamp and. Preamp and post or something yeah. like that. They called it preamp. Yeah, post I know what you're something. talking about. Yeah, you can find it on the Hot Rod series. They call yeah. it a preamp out. Um, yeah, and then preamp return or something. And that yeah, was because yeah. when they started doing that, their whole thing was like you could slave, so you could just right. use the power amp and then take yep. your amp and like just plug it into the power amp of another amp, so that you would have the same preamp driving two amps. Um, yep. I don't know really what what the logic behind that is, because um, I I would I if I'm going to do that, I'm running the stereo. You know, um, right? But right, I guess that was the old school way of doing it. Well, it, you could daisy chain amplifiers. But I remember, I I know that a lot of people would use J, JMPs. Yeah, for, they would jumper them. Right, and they would jumper the Marshall JMP amps. Yeah, but that's not to get that's not to get double volume. That's to get no that was right, to connect the uh, the that. bright channel and the and the normal channel yep. at the same time, so you could control the yep. EQ a little bit better. Yep. Uh, so. Um, my first, my first true tube amplifier was a 50 watt Marshall JMP. Well, JMP 50, I guess. Yeah. Um, was a 1973. Yes. Like a so, one. Yeah. JMP one. I think it was, but it was a 50 watt little combo. Okay. And, uh, it was nice, but a lot of times, um, I would run it and I wouldn't run the combo. The speaker was disconnected. Yeah. I would run it into another, like you were talking about. Run you were it slaving into it. Another. Yeah. Into, yep. a, into a louder amp or even, even a solid state amp maybe. Yep. Um, but it had that, it had that tube, that crisp tube, uh, uh, front end that really made it sound good. So, yeah, I, I just think that like there's, there's untapped potential there. If you're, if you're a company <laughs> like Tone King or something like that, who's putting it, not Tone King, the person, but the company. If yes. you're putting together these vintage style amps, consider putting consider putting an effects loop in there somehow. Or yeah. there is another option, and I forget who makes it. Um, it's gonna it's gonna kill me. But there is a um, there is an attenuator that also has an effects loop built into it. Yes, it's a, that's a great idea. But it's also Matter very fact, fucking um, expensive. It's like no, well, it's not. Well, it's like seven hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, it costs as much as an amp. Yeah. Um, a mid, a mid, um, who was it? Uh, I saw, um, Valvulator, oh, right? What's his name? Is it the Valvulator? Uh, McKnight was using it because he was comparing it to the no, new it's the Behringer. Fry, the, the Fryette. Yes. Uh, it's a Fryette thing. Yeah. And, and so he was comparing it to the new, um, uh, Behringer, um, thing that Behringer's got for under a hundred bucks. Mm hmm. Um, but that doesn't have an effects loop, I don't think. But the Behringer one worked really well. He was he was impressed. He said if he had to do it again, 
You know, he would probably buy because he could buy three Behringers. Because the, the problem with Behringers is not that they don't sound good. Well, they don't, the have, problem an, with they don't have an is, effects loop either, though. It's reliability. Well, if, yeah, yeah. If you need that effects loop, then you're going to have to get the frat. But you know, yeah. uh, Rivera's. I think the uh, one of the Rock Crushers has it too. I think, and I know well, the I know the uh, Venus recording has that. It has a pre and a post uh, loop. It actually has two loops: one for going between the pre and the power amp, yep. and then one going from the power amp to the speaker or the or the well, line out. I can't remember which. So we know that a lot of people are using four wire. Is it called four wire? Um, where they're going. Uh, Right where you're going is it four wire? Oh, the four going, cable uh, method. Four like, cable. That's method. what I do. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I got. So um, anyway, uh, here's the thing that that I don't understand about a lot of the amp companies is you're coming out with these newer, like this busking amp that Katana did, and all these other amps. Uh, an effects loop has to be an inexpensive thing. It's, well, it's, you're, uh, so you got two jacks at seven bucks a piece, seven to ten dollars a piece. Yep. Um, and then whatever circuitry that has to go in there, if it's too buffered, then you got tubes to add on to that. So I mean, you're looking, you, you, well, you it's going to cost anywhere from just state, thirty bucks to all the way up to a hundred dollars in parts. Right. But if you're looking at a solid state, you've, you've got no R and D in there. You know, uh, and that's what kills me is these solid state amps. Because a lot of so like let's say you buy a solid state amp from PV right so they yep. have a device that basically populates the board makes all the solder connections and then yep. and then basically a, a guy hand puts it in the amp right so yep. there's no labor involved in the extra parts and the extra parts right. in a solid state amp are really just the cost of the jacks that's um, right so, and I don't think that seven dollars is their cost I'm willing to bet you they're getting them at like because they're buying a thousand of them they're, they're, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm I, and they're not, and they're not switchcraft. And they, I've never seen a cheap solid state switch. amp with a switchcraft jack on it. Okay, um, so that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't think the cost is that significant for, like, say, like a a PV Rage to have an effects loop. And it's mm. always funny to me because, like, that's what you know. It, just because I'm traveling and I have to use a small amp doesn't necessarily mean I don't want to use my pedal board. Right, and it also means that that um, a lot of those amps, the the biggest reason your pedals sound like shit with them, is because you're pushing the front end with stuff that would normally go into the effects loop. Mm-hmm. I mean, my Mustang GT has an effects loop. I got the 100, um, but uh, um, and I know that the Orange Crush RT has an effects loop, has uh, that built in. But I'm surprised by the number of um, um, solid states that don't have it, and like you said, it's just the cost of some wire, a couple of cheap jacks, and uh, you know whatever you're putting on the board because the board is done. The R and D is there already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it can't have that many components. Yeah, I mean, and and so if if you were an astute amp designer, you'd put it on a daughter board yep. with two jumpers or something to connect it up to the you know to the main board, and you're done. Yep. Um, and again, those are throwaway amps. We're talking about $170 to $300 South Sea amps, you know. If it yeah. breaks, you're not going to get it repaired usually. I mean. No, you're going to throw it out. Right. So. You're going to get another it doesn't one. You don't even buy the. Super well built. You don't buy the extended warranty on those things. You case, don't care. Case in point. You got a 50 watt professional level amp in a Katana, right? For like 200 yep. or $300 or whatever it costs. It's insane. That's why yep. people are losing their shit over Boss Katanas. Because you can use them for a gig. But the thing yep. is, if you want that effects loop, you still got to buy the hundred watt version. 
And if that's you, what I was just saying. Yeah. And if you want MIDI control, you got to move up to the head. It's ridiculous. It doesn't make it's any re- sense. The fifties should have been good enough that they should have put the effects loop in it. They should have. I, I think that was my only complaint with the Mustang GT um, V2 series or Mustang V um, V series V2 series yeah. was that. Why can't I have and and uh, you know what that's right the katana I initially went with a fifty I bought a fifty I brought it home no effects loop I look online the hundred has an effects loop like what and it's really? only seventy bucks more or something why am I why am I having this it, that that seventy dollars absolutely has to pay for the power difference not that effects loop yeah there's maybe ten dollars of that that's paying for that effects loop well I, I mean I'm not saying that the cost justifies what you're getting in it. I, that that's obviously you know it could be five dollars more in parts, but yeah. but they're going to charge more because there's a perceived difference, and of course you know there is a perceived value difference there, and and they're both people one are by, willing to pay more all, for it. They're both one by twelve combos. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can get a hundred a hundred uh, two by twelve as well. Yes, you can. But uh, I mean, why would you? Uh, if you're going to do that, it, get the head and the two twelve cabinet. Exactly. It's a little bit more money, but you're going to get better sound. Yeah, because um, you can definitely do better on a cabinet. Yeah. Oh, their it's cabinets all- are actually really good too, and I actually like the speakers in them as well. Yeah. Even though they're you know Boss branded speaker, uh, that Katana speaker is not a joke. It's it's kind of like a cream back. But you got to wonder. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering if they're buying them from like a. Um, it's probably coming from warehouse guitar speakers, WGS, or yeah. or somebody like that in Japan that'll spec a speaker for them. Um, well, but I wouldn't be okay, surprised so- if it's not a knockoff of a cream back. Well, I, I was just going to say, I think uh, I'm I'm a hundred percent sure. While we're talking about amplifiers, we're almost uh, we're almost at our hour point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're um, at fifty three minutes, Jim. Fifty three minutes. Yeah. So here's here's something that that some of you might not know. So during a, a, a very dark period of amplifiers, <laughs> um, a lot of the stuff that was coming out of China, people were like, "Oh, this is terrible! It's crap." What was happening is. That we weren't the only ones being duped by fakes. The manufacturers were being duped by fakes. So there were a, there was a whole boatload, um, and I say boatload in, a, in an almost literal sense, of um, uh, fake Celestian speakers. Yeah. And fake, um, what's the other one, Eminence? Right. Uh, speakers. That were being um, filtered around. Um, yeah. And they were buying them wholesale, not realizing that they were not necessarily the the real deal. But now, now, and it's funny because now Celestian has moved their production to China. Yeah. So you're getting Chinese speakers regardless. Um, maybe they're better spec because Celestian well, no, has control of the quality but, control. But uh, yeah, they've been they've been in China for a few years now. But I'm just saying that 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 when it comes to parts, that wasn't the only part. That's just, I'm using that as an example. There were a lot of parts they were getting, capacitors, mm-hmm. resistors, transistors, mm-hmm. motherboards, daughter boards, you, you name it, that were coming in as fakes. They were fakes. So this knockoff thing, um, I was in another uh, group today, and somebody uh, uh, posted, oh, I bought this Gibson, um, uh, this Chipson. And it's a Chipson, but I would never sell it. How many of us have said I would never sell this guitar? And two years later, gone. I'm, bu- I'm I'm buying a different guitar. Me, me, but I've done it two weeks later. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but but the funny thing about the Chipson is I'll never sell it. That's because you'll never get anything for it. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it, it, and then you can't. I mean, let's face it. We saw that person that was on Facebook a little while ago that got you know that was duping people and was like, how could you tell it was a it was a Chipson? 
Oh, come on. I remember that. A, I remember that. Remember that? Yeah, and, and then yeah. people were then people were on me like, oh, you're being a brutal. Yeah, you know, you're, you're being, being a dick, ass. Jim. I'm just I'm just stating fact. I'm not being a dick by staying fact. No, well the, the ice the sky is blue, the ground is brown, the grass to, is to green, an, and to that an extent, is fake. Well, and, and Jim, to an extent, we have a responsibility as members of the community. And I'm not talking about you and I, I'm talking about everybody, including the people who are listening yeah. to the show. If you see a fake and they're not calling it a fake, you have a responsibility to alert your fellow guitar player that that's a fake so they don't end up with it. Right. But the thing is that this person that got Gibson on the head, why would you get Gibson on the headstock? Why would you do it? I, I don't if know. That's why I want to fake it out. Whether you want to fake out your friends in the in the moment or you're trying to fake out whatever, at some point, I have it's yet because to, I have yet to have, see a Chibson that I didn't know was a Chibson. Yeah, me too. But so. but that's us. And, and and the thing is, it's like walking now, around with your Fender Telecasters. Bag. That's another thing. I've seen some really good fake Fenders, but dude, I can tell you right now that the Fender would be the one that anybody could pull over my eyes. Yeah. I can tell you, fake Fender from a real Fender. From I, I could, I could, if it's not done well. Because I, I you see, know what? we if, should go over some of the stuff to look for um, on another podcast. Yeah, that's a good idea. We should we should keep that up for for it's, another episode. Yeah, because uh, you know, it, it, Fenders are the easiest ones. Mm-hmm. I could get a parts caster and put it together, or just buy. A- well, that's common. That's the other thing. You think you bought a Fender that that uh, you know is uh, legit, like like a '60s player or something, and then you open, yep. you you take the neck off, and then you find out the neck is from something else, and the body's from something else, and the only thing that's really the '60s, you know, the '60s player guitar is the is the pick guard and the pickups, and I and I have and seen that kind of stuff. I can't, yeah, and I've seen that kind of stuff before, where it's like it's parts from various guitars, and then they build it as one, and you buy it and you're like yeah i got this and then you take it apart and you're like oh shit <laughs> yep then you find out that your tuners are made of pop metal and you're your well i haven't seen no metal. i'm not talking about a fake necessarily as a parts guitar like where they've assembled it from different fenders and then yeah. sold it as well, a complete yeah and it's not even going to be like a warmoth because warmoth would i mean right it's obvious it's a warm off right it's not going to say <laughs> right, right. A a fender warmoth, on there warmoth you can tell uh but if you got to like mighty might or whatever i mean um, I'm just saying, I, I'm not a, um, I'm not the kind of guy that would that would do something like that. But I'm just saying that there are people that are doing it. Well, it's funny. It's, it's, it's funny because I've seen some fakes locally on Craigslist where people are like taking modern squires and putting made in Japan and stuff on them. It's like none of the squires that came out of Japan said that. Yeah. Like that, oh. and especially not where you're putting the sticker. Like it's oh. a, it's hilarious. And they're, and they're, and they're passing off. It's like, oh well, this was made in the late nine. You know, this was made in the late nineties. Look, they stopped making squares in Japan in like nineteen ninety one. You know, it's like, what are you yeah. doing? <laughs> well, you know what? That's the thing. You know that. No, I, I'm not the they, only guy calling them out. That's the thing. I'm, not, I'm telling you right now. If it's, I mean, if it's one thing, if it's a two hundred dollar guitar, I could give a rat's ass to fake. Well, we have. So we have a very. But if edu- I'm paying five hundred to thousand dollars for a guitar. You're damn right. I'm going to do some research. But the, guys, the thing is, today, like, it's so easy to spot a fake because all you have to do is Google it. Yeah. Like, honestly, I I don't understand how these guys think they're going to get by with something like that where they just stick another sticker on there. Like, get on, get on Google, look up the serial number, and you'll and if it's a real serial number, it'll pan out. A lot of times, it's, they're just using some serial number that was published somewhere, and they're you that's know. Right. Um, that, that was going on, um, uh, speaking of a fake, uh, um, fender, uh, 
people were reselling um, copies of um, Keith Richards' Telecaster. Mm-hmm. And they had mm-hmm. the serial number of his yeah. 50-something, 50-something Telecaster. Yeah. yeah, And I think it was a broadcaster. And the problem is that, that it's so hard because I, I want to say it was one of the broadcasters that didn't have the name broadcaster. Yeah, it, no just ca- it was a no-caster, right. Yeah, it was a no caster. I had no, no nothing. So very easy to to uh, make a fake. All right. So we're near. We are at our hour. We are literally Woo-hoo. like ten seconds away from it. <laughs> and uh, what the reason I'm I'm drawing this up to do, to close is this is going to be a good topic for another episode. So Absolutely. tune in tune in soon, and we'll talk about fakes. Uh, I want to I want to reiterate to everybody we have some great content coming your way. Stay stay yes, glued to the podcast. Uh, if you don't listen regularly, maybe you should start because it's going to start getting real good here, real short. Uh, yeah, we've got shortly. a lot of um, a lot of wonderful people we're going to be talking to um, about a lot of really cool stuff. Some from uh, Facebook groups, some not. Um, yep. And so, um, yeah, stay tuned. But that being said, uh, Summer Nam is next week. Maybe we'll have some new equipment to talk about that Jim and I can't buy. And yes. um, we're going to start a new um, uh, a new weekly thing where we're going to yeah. um, discuss things we can't buy. And this is going <laughs> to go on for a while, folks. Uh, I think Jim and I are competitive enough that this could go on for a really long time. <laughs> I think I think David's going to lose. But, I, I, uh, it's a very good possibility I might lose. But uh, my my bank account is helping me on this, so it's like the Stark saying uh, in Game of Thrones: "Winter is coming." Winter is already here, my friend. <laughs> and so with that, I have I have been Jim, and I have been David. David Buffalo Hill. Been, yes. The practical. Oh yeah. So anybody that doesn't know David Buffalo Hill, uh, yeah. is because the Buffalo Bill stuff. Don't do that. <laughs> yes. Yes. So now I I don't know. Am I Jody Foster? Am I Jim Foster? Jamie Foster? I <laughs> no. Don't know. I, I, no, you're not. Um, you would be the <laughs> oh, the no, uh, senator's was, daughter. <laughs> yeah, I'm senator's daughter. <laughs> Jim senator's daughter. Jim, Jamie the senator's daughter. <laughs> so anyway, I have been Jim. I have been David. And we have been the practical guitarists. All right.